Week 11 is just about in the books, and would you believe it? Seven of the 14 playoff teams come from two divisions that we all thought sucked. Proof that we know nothing, but we'll try and figure out what we can as we take a look at the good, the bad, and the box score. We're back. Oh, we're back indeed. Welcome to week 11 of the good, the bad, and the box score. I am your host, Justin J. Will underscore FF. Joining me today is Jake Perry. That's P A R R Y underscore FF. How are you, Jake? I am doing good. My fantasy teams, on the other hand, some of them are doing pretty great. The other ones are pretty bad. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a good week for me, man. I'm taking a lot more L's than I am W's this week, but uh, that's all right. Most of these teams are in good position. It seems like it was kind of a weird week all around, so I'm interested to uh, check some things out here with you. One thing that I think really stands out to me that we'll get a chance to talk about is for what is going to be week 12 here soon, a, a very important Thanksgiving week as we always look forward to. Looks like there's going to be some interesting waiver wire targets based on some performances this week and some injuries that have popped up. So we'll we'll take a look at all that. But how do you feel about just football in general, man? Like you've got all four teams from the AFC East in the playoffs right now. Everybody but the commanders from the NFC East is is in the playoffs. And if the what if the 49ers take the L to Arizona tomorrow, potentially all four teams from each of those two divisions would be in. It seems like it's a crazy year for football in general. Yeah. I mean, 2020, we, 2021 was weird. Like let's, let's just be honest about that. Like it was already a weird year and then things just keep getting weirder. Like it's so crazy watching these games. Like you see a game like last week, you know, Minnesota, great game, great win. And then this week just get absolutely trounced. Like it's just, it's no team really has a ton of consistency this year. Like even a team like the Eagles been one of the best teams all year are like squeaking out wins against bad teams. Like it's just, there's nothing where it's like, there's no clear number one team in my opinion. Like the, the bills as good as they've been, even they've like been very up and down. It's just so all over the place. Like it truly feels like this year feels more than ever. Like any, like any given Sunday, like literally anything could happen. And it wouldn't shock me at this point. I've never felt more like that than I do this year, too. And that's why I'm really interested now. I Full disclosure here, Jake and I are recording a little bit earlier than normal. So we've got about 10 minutes still before the kickoff for Sunday Night Football. But that makes this Chiefs and Chargers game really important tonight because those are two teams that could step up and kind of fill that power vacuum and grab a hold of some of what's going on. I'm sure there's a lot of fantasy ramifications for folks for those games as well. So we'll see. Uh, We'll see how that plays out, but we're going to talk about the rest of these games that took place today. That means we're not going to go too deep into the man, the myth, the legend, the Christian Watson from Thursday as that falls into a different category. I'll just sport the jersey and know that the love in my heart has grown to a massive size this week. Uh, But let's look at some injuries, man. Let's start with two concussions. One is to Matt Stafford. The other is to Joe Mixon. Both leave the game and we don't see him afterwards. If I am in a deeper league or a super flex league, I would say probably not even a deeper league, but if I'm in a super flex league and this Perkins character is going to be the quarterback next week for the Rams, do, do I want to think about that? If I'm maybe up against it from quarterback, like, what well, can you tell me about this guy? 
I mean, there's not a lot to talk about. I mean, he's, he's a guy who, you know, hasn't really done a lot in the NFL. Yeah. Like obviously he's, he's, you know, he's only 25, he, you know, pretty decent college career, all things considered. Um, but, but I mean, there's a reason the guy is a backup in the NFL. He's not a superstar by any means. Do I think he has some upside? Sure. But that really is going to depend on what my waiver wire looks like. Like if it's, if it's a 12 team, two quarterback league, you know, I'm taking what I can get out of that that second quarterback spot, and he's definitely a grab there. But if we're looking like a even in ten team super flex leagues, like there's consistently guys like Jacoby Brissett who was on waivers in, in one of my leagues today. You know, he was quarterback one. He might still be quarterback one after the first yeah, set of games might be. and the second set. Um, so he's up there. You know. If, if my choice is like Perkins or Mills, I might take the upside swing on Perkins just because I think Davis Mills is terrible. And I think we've all seen that at this point. Like, but, you know, I, I'm probably playing Perkins over him. I'm probably playing Perkins over Zach Wilson, who's been arguably the worst quarterback in football. I think where you start to get like, maybe I'm considering somebody else is like, I think once you maybe get up to like, I don't know, can he pick it? Like, I think I'd have to think about if I'd play Pickett or Perkins. I'd probably go Pickett just because I think I'm with that the weapons are just better. Like that's the other thing that's really like hard is there's just who are, who are the weapons? Like Tyler Higby, he's been fine this year. He's not a weapon in the NFL. Allen Robinson got into the end zone today, which was a first, but like with Stafford with Stafford. And then Perkins comes in, he's five of 10 for 64 yards. Got sacked Some rushing three times. Upside. Yeah. Like, you know, you'd, and that's basically what you're playing for. You're like, you're hoping that he runs enough to get you six to eight points it it's almost to the point though where like if i'm in a super flex league i'd almost re- like if i have a, a, an upside wide receiver on my bench i might rather throw them in there like if i next week legitimately in a super flex league if i'm picking between donovan and not donovan people's jones that's a bad example because i'm pretty sure they're on bye next week correct yeah i think so no they have the bucks next week okay if i'm picking between donovan people's jones and bryce perkins i'm probably taking dpj and just like taking what I can get out of it. Yeah. Like I'd rather just have the upside swing. That's why we play two quarterbacks, so, right? Because quarterback swing up like upside swing is so high. I just don't see that with, with Perkins. Well, let's break this down. So like, why are we talking about Perkins? And it's because of the ramifications of what next week is and how weird it is. Um, I don't know if we even know, are, are we going to have a crushing the competition from you and Tyler this week? Or are we taking a nice Thanksgiving break? I think the plan as of right now is to record, you know, if we can squeeze it in there, but. Who knows? Maybe the Thanksgiving break is kind of enforced by the by the family life as often happens. Oh, yeah, honestly, we'll, that may we'll be the see key. how it goes. But I think it's important to know, especially if you're someone who plays and relies on Stafford. It, the Rams are on the road against the Chiefs at 425 next week, which means you have Saints, 49ers, Packers, Eagles, Steelers, Colts as the only six teams that might offer you a different quarterback option if Stafford cannot play. And you got the Bills, the Lions, the Giants, the Cowboys, the Patriots, and the Vikings all playing games on Thursday on Thanksgiving. Uh, I think, isn't there even supposed to be like a Black Friday game? Yeah. Or no, that starts, I believe, either next year or the year after. Yeah, I was going to say, it looks like everything's on the 27th. So no Black Friday game, but still, it's going to be a weird week. And it's tough to wait out a concussion 
and see if someone yeah. who could be a game time decision is going to play in this particular week. I think it's much the same for Joe Mixon. That's a one o'clock Sunday game against the Titans next week. So take a look at your other options if you need to. We don't know a ton about Stafford or Mixon, but they'll be in concussion protocol after leaving the game. We'll have to wait and see who clears it, who does it, and who practices when. Uh, Justin Fields comes on very strong in the past few weeks. It's been absolutely a godsend for a ton of fantasy teams. And he had a pretty good game again today. Turned in good results, but picks up a shoulder injury at the end of the game. Did you get any sense that it was maybe severe at all? Everything I saw was leaning like a lot of the like Twitter doctors in the fantasy space have been saying yeah. they think it's more on the like AC joint sprain side of things as opposed to like a broken collarbone or anything like that. Plus, he he went in for x-rays. He got carted off the field just to I think just to get him off the field quicker, basically get him into and he went through testing and everything and then came out and did a press conference. So I don't. In my brain, it's maybe not super severe. Maybe he misses next week. I think that's something that we definitely have to consider. And I, I think I get you know a little bit of where you're going with this. If I had to pick between Trevor Simeon and Bryce Perkins, I'm taking Trevor Simeon. Interesting against the Jets, huh? Yeah, I'd rather just, I'd rather just have him in there. I don't, I, I just, the problem with Perkins is there's no weapons, there's no offensive line, there's no running game. You're basically you know, the the Rams have survived this year on Cooper Cup. That's the only reason they've even been a slightly competitive team in any Agreed. way, shape, or form in any of their games. If When Cooper Cup is not on the field, this offense does not look good. They don't have a backup plan. Whereas the Bears, yeah, we know, you know, Simeon, he's going to have Darnell Mooney, who's been, you know, coming on hot as of late. Cole Komet, who's been coming on hot as of late. Chase Claypool, who's will be in his fourth week on the team, hopefully understands the system at that point. David Montgomery, who's looked pretty good up to this point. The offensive line for the Bears is not good as a bunch of pass blockers, but they are one of the better run-blocking offensive lines, at least in football. So there's still some upside there and there's there's a potential that this offense can keep you know get things going plus their defense is so bad that they're just gonna have to at minimum throw the ball a ton to try and keep themselves competitive like i just don't see the rams being able to keep themselves in a position where they're competitive and they don't have the weapons to really compete so i'd rather if i'm going to take the upside swing i'd probably rather take it on simeon than i would on perkins Nice. One last one we'll go through. Not a ton of big names picking up injuries today, but Kyle Pitts does pick up a knee injury. Uh, listen, Jake, I'm of the mind that there's just no point even rostering him on a redraft team at this point. Uh, do you feel about the same, or are you still trying to hold on to him and wait through this sort of injury? It's one of those things where it's like the position is, is so scarce and there's so much upside there that it's hard to say that. Like, it's hard to say drop him, and I've been – like, I've been – so close to dropping him on so many occasions in the couple redraft leagues that I've had him in. And I've just kind of held out. But I think I, I think we're at the point where if he misses one or two weeks with this injury, like there's no point. And, and if the Falcons are smart, they probably sit him out at least next week. There's yeah. a report that he's avoided ligament damage, but obviously like, and he jogged off afterwards, which is at least it's a, a little bit sign. better. Um, but it's, yeah. With guys like Juwan Johnson coming out of nowhere to be, you know, a super viable fantasy tight mm -hmm. end. Dawson Knox had a good game today. Like some of these guys are getting some resurgence. Tight end this year, for the most part, has been very much just play the matchup anyway. If you don't have Kelsey or Andrews when he was healthy, I think it just kind of reverts more to that. And Pitts basically falls out of contention for like a viable starter rest of the season. All right. Well. Let's take a look at uh, some of the players that I thought were some of the nice performances of the week. A um, little bit of a switch in gears for returning audience folks that listen to the good, the bad, and the box score from week to week. 
it, one thing that we want to always make sure that we do, we preach it heavily at JWB is to give you actionable advice, things that you can make decisions based off of. And simply sitting here and telling you that T Higgins, who you're playing every week was great. And Devonte Adams, who you're playing every week was great. Doesn't do a ton of good for you. So we're going to start looking as we get towards the later half of the season and playoff matchups for folks who might kind of be in that start sit or bubble conversation and take a look at how some of those players are doing to help let you know what we can come up with um as we do that the first thing we're going to do is talk about tony pollard a guy who all season long goes back and forth with zeke performs really well when zeke's not there is always one of those guys where when zeke is healthy you got to ask yourself do i want to play him do i not want to play him how are they going to use him today pollard gets a pretty good amount of opportunities 15 carries for 80 yards, six catches for 109, and two of those catches turn into pretty good lengthy touchdowns. It's almost 34 total points for half PPR in a game where Zeke scores twice from the goal line. And the Cowboys blow the doors off of the previously one or two lost Vikings. They look like they're starting to gel. They look like they're starting to come together. Are we, are we seeing the blueprint for what Tony Pollard is going to be moving forward? I think so. I, I think Tony Pollard is a set it and forget it player rest of the season. Like that's where we're at with him. There, the upside is too high week to week. And this, is, this just shows like his catches weren't just like dump offs. Like he legitimately burned a guy for his 60 yeah. yard touchdown. He's breaking tackles. Like he has his entire career. Like this is the Tony Pollard that we needed for Tony Pollard to be viable. We saw struggles earlier on in the year, but I think a lot of that was Dak wasn't healthy. Offensive line was struggling at times. They wanted still to just feed Zeke. Everybody who has two working, like two working eyes at this point, And a lot of people who don't even have that can recognize that Tony Pollard is the superior talent on that team. Yeah. He's probably in argument for the third or fourth best offensive player on that on that roster as a whole. Like, there's no way that Tony Pollard cannot be the guy going forward. Yeah, you couple, keep, go ahead. couple notes that I really liked here. It catches all six of his targets. Ooh, rainbow from Mahomes. He got whacked. Good Lord. It catches, catches all six of his targets which kind of shows you that some of these plays, some of these pass plays in particular are being run for him. He's not just an escape valve that leaks right. out. And sometimes he catches some passes. Many of these plays are run where he is the goal of the play is to get Tony Pollard's ball. I also really like that. And this is going to sound weird, but I like that they gave him a couple of red zone opportunities, even though they tried to run Pollard up the middle on first and second down before giving it to Zeke on third, who converted the goal line situation. It, it at least shows that they're willing to give him even more run than what he has previously had. And like, if it went the way it did today, right? I think that's what we'd all like to see is that the Cowboys are starting to understand that there isn't anything wrong with Zeke carrying the ball on second and two and third and two or goal to go situations when you're inside the five and Pollard can do his thing the rest of the time. And it just makes them a nightmare for defenses. And I think we do see that going forward. So I hope you're right, man. That's a, that's somebody who was kind of a flex player that if he becomes a set it and forget it, that's a league winner for a lot of us. So hopefully that's true. Yeah. Um, I, there's very few running backs who have his upside rest of the season. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, let's talk about now a bounce back candidate. I am trying to remember, and sometimes, you know, you hit week 11, shit starts to run together, but I think you guys had talked about Amari Cooper in the underperforming category 
last week or the week before, but one of the shows in the past couple weeks, I feel like there was a discussion on Amari Cooper. Big bounce back game today. This is kind of what we're seeing out of Amari Cooper. Is it some peaks and valleys, but today is certainly a peak. Eight catches for 113 and two touchdowns on 12 targets, which is a massive amount of the offensive share from the air. That is about 27, 28 half PPR points. It's it's a little Jekyll and Hyde from time to time, but what are our impressions from Amari Cooper this game and the rest of the year? So we know now that neutral sites count as a home game for Amari Cooper, who has some of okay. the most drastic home and away splits I've ever seen in football. It is I crazy. Don't, I don't know if there's any actual credence to that or that is just how the cookie crumbled. I'd have to dive into it a little bit more. My instinct is that's just random, you know, fluidity of what yeah, happens the matchups there. happen to fall that way. Yeah. But for me, Amari Cooper was always an extremely talented wide receiver who just underperformed for whatever reason, whether that was in Dallas, you know, he had CD going against him. Dak was up and down at times when he was in, you know, Las Vegas slash Oakland, depending on, you know, how you want to call that team, you know, quarterback situation, wishy-washy offensive situation as a whole up and down, you know, just a lot of inconsistency there, but this is what Amari Cooper has been for a lot of this year. I think after this week, he may be, a full wide receiver one, uh, like in terms of total points scored on the season and point per game, he might be getting there as well. I think it was 16th coming into this week. So, you know, with a big week, like he had, you know, I don't see any reason why he couldn't end up sneaking in there. You know, he, he's a guy who, you know, you're never, you're never sitting him. Like you can't sit Amari Cooper at this stage of his career. Like he's just too good. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Cause here's the big question for Amari Cooper. You get a home matchup against the Bucks next week, and I think everybody rolls him out. Mm -hmm. You get a week 13 matchup where Deshaun Watson will make his first appearance of the year on the road in Houston because the NFL barely knows what they're doing. And I'd figure Houston is in such a bad spot that everyone rolls Amari Cooper out for that as well. If it doesn't look good in that first game with Deshaun, do you sour on this take or do you think talent ultimately wins out here and you end up riding him out through the playoffs. I think talent wins out here. And like, obviously when you get into the playoffs, you, you analyze everything a little bit more. You have to get a little bit more, you know, I, I, I'm not sure the right word here. You have to get a little bit pickier with who you play, obviously, because sure. you're down to your last shot, but it, you're going to run into very few rosters where your bench wide receiver options or your bench flex options, if you have a Cooper in a flex spot, are going to give you the upside. And and that's what I'm doing in the playoffs anyway. Like I'm not playing the guy who's going to get me 10 points and I'm going to be happy with it. I'd much rather have a guy like Cooper who may drop four on me and that's okay, but he may drop 40. Like that's the upside that Amari Cooper has here. We've seen it multiple times this year. You know, he, he had the big game this week, obviously. He's had multiple big games so far this year. Um, like it's there's too much upside here and i especially if the quarterback upgrade that we see deshaun watson being you know from jacoby Brissett is a thing it's going to be hard to see him his performance go down if anything i i can see him ascending to another level in the playoffs if deshaun watson can come back and regain any of his his former glory as a passer yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that develops. I wouldn't expect there to be like immediate glory in the passing game, but if if it's if it's going to happen, it ought to happen against Houston. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, Chiefs on the board, man. So I'm not sure where you're at in the game or if you're watching as well, but 
you know, get down to the first and goal and end up not in converting. Fortson, Moore, and Gray catching passes on the first drive. Pacheco with 31 yards on two carries. So a couple of uh, good signs for a kind of banged up offense coming into this game. We'll see what the Chargers can do with it now as well. Uh, last top performer for us. Let's take a look at Jamal Williams. The just epitome of goal line back for the season, which is weird because doesn't it, at least for me didn't did not profile as your stereotypical goal line back, but he is a hell of a compliment to what the offense does with DeAndre Swift. And at least at one point when he scored a touchdown today, took over the lead and touchdowns for the league. I don't know if he still has it after mm-hmm. the later games, but if even if not, he's right up there. 17 carries for 64 yards. So nothing that blows your mind, but three touchdowns with a ton of goal line work going for 24.4 half PPR points. How set it and forget it is Jamal Williams for you at this point. Everywhere I have him, he hasn't come out of my lineup in like eight weeks. Yeah. Like it's, I draft, I tend to draft more of a uh, hero running back strategy where I grab a guy early. I fade the position for a while and then I throw a bunch of darts. He was a dart. I threw a ton of just because Obviously, we know DeAndre Swift has some injury concern coming into the season. It's clear that the injury concern was there. Was like, yeah. yeah, it was real. He's he's been hurt this year. He's been banged up. Even when he wasn't banged up, they're still giving Jamal, you know, a lot of the goal line work. That's how it looked early in the season. And I think a lot of that is just how we have to look at the rest of this year. Like, do I think these touchdowns can continue? Normally, I would say no, but the way this offense has looked generally, and they're only going to keep getting better. You know, once, you know, Chark was back this week, JMO is going to be back here sooner rather than later. You know, obviously, no more Hawkinson, but it doesn't seem to have really impacted them so far. I, I think Jamal is like, if you have Jamal Williams as your running back too right now, I think you're very, very happy with how your season's turned out. Well, Let's talk about some receivers in comparison just for a moment, because I think this is a big question for Jamal Williams going forward. A lot of us, especially in PPR and half PPR, build teams, like you said, where we might have one stable running back. And as a result of this approach, we're flush at receiver. So you see a lot of, I don't want to say Deontay Johnson, even though he was taken in that range, but let's talk about like Terry McLaurin, Juju Smith-Schuster, Uh, Maybe even like Mike Evans to a certain extent or a guy like Hollywood Brown or Keenan Allen or Mike Williams who are coming back from injury. Like a lot of us are running teams where you got one of the top receivers like Chase or Jefferson, Mm -hmm. Diggs, Hill, Waddle up top. And then maybe a guy like Amari Cooper is just turned into your easy to play wide receiver too. And you've got that caliber of wide receiver, someone you took in rounds like three, four, five, six, who you expect good results from. Mm But every week, Jamal Williams, who does not lend himself to a PPR format, keeps outscoring them. Are you still comfortable playing him in that kind of format over those types of players? Has he worked his way into that conversation for you? Um, It's close, right? In any PPR format, you, you tend to want the guys who are going to get some passing work, and that's flat out not been Jamal Williams this year. Right. It's almost like... I would say it was like James Conner last year where he was scoring touchdowns at a crazy clip, but even James Conner was getting some work in in the passing game. So it's it's a super unique situation. I think, I don't know, like if it's an injury concern wide receiver, like a Keenan who could pop a hammy at any moment based off of how this year has gone, I think I might lean Conner there. But like if I have a Hollywood who comes back, he's probably smashing my lineup. Like in that situation, probably what I'm doing, if if I'm 
not starting him at running back, right? If he's not my running back too, like if I have say a, a Saquon and a, I don't know, a CMC, say I went, you know, running sure. back heavy early and, and Jamal Williams is one of those guys who's in that conversation for my flex spot. I'm trying to take one of my, you know, one of my bench wide receivers plus Jamal finding another team who has a surplus of, of elite wide receivers, but no running backs. And I'm, I'm trying to do, move. yeah, I'm trying to make a package deal there. I think if you're not going to play Jamal Williams at this point, don't keep the depth on your bench bench, use him to flip into a, a better piece and, and just make your overall talent better. I think as a redraft season goes on, you should be trying to consolidate your, your talent into the top end as opposed to your depth. Um, and, and I think that's probably the situation or the, the route I would go with Jamal. If he's not breaking, if he's not a smash guy in my lineup every week. Well, hopefully he's a smash lineup play for most of you and you're killing it with Jamal Williams, but many of you may have some other running backs that we're going to talk about in the underperforming category as Josh Palmer catches a long touchdown. Of course. Love to see it. Uh, speak of the devil, man. The second you said the words Keenan Allen, he made his first first play of the game and got a nice catch there, but that's a deep Josh Palmer ball and just goes to show you, man, we all start to doubt Herbert and wonder what the hell's going on with the Chargers offense. And with one drive of Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, and Josh Palmer on the field, they look fantastic and unguardable, which was always what the method was supposed to be. Not me oh. taking Josh Palmer out of lineups everywhere. That's <laughs> fine. Uh, and Dynasty leagues where welcome. I had to play him, I think, is where I'm going to get those points, and I'll take it. Everybody, um, you're welcome. I took him out of like four different lineups after I heard, heard I the news about the other guys being healthy. So you're welcome for the touchdown. I appreciate you taking one for the team. Um, all right, man, you, we don't like to do it, but let's talk about three running backs who are not performing as well as Pollard and Jamal Williams. We're going to go one early, one mid, one late kind of pick. Let's start with Saquon. 15 carries for 22 yards, five targets, only catches two of them for 13 yards. It's four, four and a half points at half PPR on the day. Terrible, terrible performance. Worst one of the season. The Giants didn't look good at all up against a Detroit team that has just let running backs do whatever they wanted. Why is this game an anomaly and not the start of a trend? Saquon's too good to be contained like this consistently. I, I think that basically is what it boils down to. Like this, this isn't going to happen. Everybody's down to have a down game. Like we, we've got other running backs this week too. Like there was a lot of really down running back performances. Yes, um, I know we're going to talk about at least one of them, but even another one that you and I aren't planning to talk about as of right now was Nick Chubb. Like Nick Chubb had a down week too, all things considered, uh, mm -hmm. rushing wise. Um, a couple guys that we're going to talk about in a minute here also did like, it was just a generally like weird performance out of running backs this week. And Saquon's too talented of a player. And I, I'm, I actually look at, I personally look at this week as a plus because I haven't like a net positive because we haven't seen Saquon used in the passing game a whole lot this, this year and seeing him get five targets for the first time in a while, Brings me some confidence. That's that the they, magic number. Yeah, that they they can remember that he knows how to catch the football and can do crazy things mm -hmm. with the ball in his hand. It's basically like once he had that like picked up that weird like shoulder stinger earlier in the year after he caught a ball, they were just like, we're not going to throw it to him anymore. He's just going to run it thirty times. That's healthier. <laughs> but yeah, yeah for me, it, it's just generally not worried. I, I don't see it being a trend. Yes, Danny Dimes isn't a great quarterback. Yes, the offensive line is suspect at times, but generally I'm just not going to be worried about Saquon. If he's healthy, he's out there. It, it's no concern to me. Yeah, I think everybody should feel that way about playing him. And I don't think there's many people who would ever be thinking about sitting Saquon. So just take this as some uh, peace of mind that this is just kind of a weird one week thing. And 
we'll see how it goes. I don't know that I expect the greatest numbers from him. I think on the road in Dallas on Thanksgiving day, that's a tough matchup too, but I'm sure I'm not sure, but I hope it's better than five points. We'll see. Uh, how about a mid round pick? Let's take a look at Damian Pierce who disappointed week one and has basically been like damn near untouchable since then. And here we are two and a half months later and we get a terrible performance. Uh, game script took him almost completely out of the game, but he got only 13 opportunities, which is really low for what we have seen the Texans give Pierce so far on the season. That's 10 carries for eight yards and three targets that he turned into two catches for nine. That is less than three half PPR points. We can't say the same thing about Damian Pierce that we say about Saquon because the Texans are a team that are headed in one very distinct direction. And it is towards one of the top picks in the draft. Yeah. I'm not saying they will set Damian Pierce down or choose not to play him, just that the season's starting to get away from them. And getting game scripted out of games because you're getting bum-rushed by a team like the Washington Commanders isn't great. Uh, I would have to admit that as we get closer to the playoff season, I'm worried about getting one and done because I take a performance like this out of Pierce. Is that a valid fear or am I overthinking it? Yeah, Tyler and I talked about it this week on crushing the competition. I had Pierce as a sit. Like I Washington was second in rush DVOA coming into this game. Like they do a really good job of shutting down running games for opposing teams. Where they get beat is through the air. And when you have a quarterback like Davis Mills who's not a good quarterback, it, it's going to take guys like Pierce completely out of the game. He's not he's not a Kenneth Walker, he's not a Nick Chubb, he's not a Derrick Henry, a guy who doesn't need to catch a lot of passes. Like Pierce has succeeded without catching passes. That's not necessarily what I'm trying to say here, but he's not the level of runner that these guys are where they can consistently get away with not catching passes. Like if if Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Kenneth Walker, if those guys don't see a single target in the game, they still have a good shot of dropping 30 cuz they can go for 160 and 123 touchdowns and we don't bat an eye. Whereas a guy like Pierce, like he's been good in matchups that have favored him, but as soon as the game gets out of hand he's basically a non-factor and and that's always been the concern with him for me pierce is a guy kind of in that jamal williams tier where like i'm at this point in the year if somebody still has some name value recognition with pierce they've been high on him coming into the season i'm trying to package him with somebody to tear up at wide receiver or even at running back at this point like or maybe even if the if the Kelsey team is close to being eliminated, like packaging Pierce and Hawkinson for Kelsey, I don't think that's too crazy. If a team is like looking to just switch something up to get into the playoffs, and they have Kelsey, and he's really the only guy that's doing anything for him, he's a he's more of a trade. We talked about on on crushing the competition too, where he maybe works himself into being just a trade candidate at best rest of the season because of that concern that we talked about. Where if Pierce is their running back moving forward, and they're not going to replace him in the draft. There's a pretty good chance that we see his workload generally drop mm -hmm. off rest of the season. They picked up Eno Benjamin, who we know can be, you know, a competent back at times in the NFL. Like there's just enough concern for me for Pierce that I would be very concerned if Pierce was my running back too right now. Well, you are looking at Dolphins, Browns, Cowboys, and Chiefs over the next four games for Damian Pierce. And that is a week 15 Chiefs matchup that could be a playoff game for many of us. So Keep an eye on what Pierce does the next couple of weeks before you decide how you want to handle those playoff situations. Uh, and then one more, Jake. Let's take a look at Deontay Foreman. Uh, I kind of, I, again, I don't know how to say it, man. It's it's not a good thing that Foreman had a bad day. It's a good fantasy perspective shaping sort of day for Foreman because what we're starting to see is that 
at least it's predictable when you want to play him and when you don't, much like we just said about Damian Pierce. At least that's how I feel. In a game where you would figure that the Panthers aren't going to be able to run the ball a ton up against a high-powered Ravens offense, 12 opportunities, 11 carries for 24 yards, and one target that he doesn't catch. The entirety of the Carolina Panthers team looks unplayable when Baker Mayfield is at quarterback, which we saw in this particular game. Uh, But not, not a great day out of someone that many of us picked up off of waivers or traded for in the past couple of weeks and are hoping to use throughout the rest of the season as as a volume play the volume and the numbers were not there today do you feel the same way i do that you are going to be able to identify when to use foreman and when not to or do you think that this could just be downhill here on out yeah i mean with foreman you just play the matchups right if we look at what foreman's done Pretty solid game, all things considered, against a good Tampa Bay run defense. He had 118 yards, two receptions for 27 yards. That's what? Half PPR, we're looking at 14, 15 points. Not bad. Against In two games against Atlanta, who are, you know, based on DVOA, the 25th best run defense in football. Teams are adding value when they run against Atlanta. We are looking at 148 yard, or 248 total rushing yards, four total touchdowns. That's where his scoring has come from. It's it's from playing a bad defense. Foreman's a guy you can get him in your lineup if you're playing if you have a good matchup, uh, you know, a good running back matchup for him. Otherwise, you're starting a Donovan Peoples Jones. You're starting a Curtis Samuel. You're starting a lot of these guys over him. Foreman was always you know one of those guys. Like you said, we picked him up off waivers. We got a couple performances out of him. We call that a win. But he's a guy where you know matchup dependent pretty much rest of the season. All right. We're going to talk about some other news and notes, but before we do so, Jay Will's unsolicited advice for the day. If I'm on a team where I'm flush at wide receiver, I think Foreman's a guy I might look to make a cheap and easy trade for coming off of a bad game like this. If you happen to be in a league where the trade deadline hasn't passed, and I know that's not the case for a lot of leagues that are out there, but if you have one where you can make a move, the run-in for Foreman and the Panthers is Broncos by week, Seahawks, Steelers, Lions, Bucks, and Saints. That's filled with a lot of games where you wouldn't expect the Panthers to get blown out in a way that the run game would be useless. So you've got some matchups in there that you might be able to utilize, and many a Deontay Foreman owner might be kind of sour after playing him and suffering some bad results this week. So if it's me and I can make a uh, trade from some pieces that are on my bench, I'd feel good about trying to grab Foreman for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I don't hate it, especially because the cost should be relatively non-existent after a game like today. Yeah, like that, I don't, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see Foreman end up on like forty percent of waiver wires after this week. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if people overcorrect and drop him. Uh, all right, man. I'm gonna hit you with uh, some rapid fires, and you tell me which one you want to talk about. Let's start with the good stuff. We got. Monty going for 20-plus without Herbert. The uh, three-touchdown performance out of Samad J.P. Ryan in relief of Joe Mixon. Some Robinsons going wild, both Demarcus and uh, Wandale. Devontae Adams walking it off with a hell of a game. And T. Higgins and Najee Harris both stepping up in Steelers-Bengals. Which one do you want to take a look at? I mean, it's crazy to me how David Montgomery just continues to be a league-winning running back somehow. (laughs) 
like, like by accident and it doesn't look good it just keeps happening yeah it's like three years in a row from <laughs> i i don't remember the cutoff but like in the stretch the stretch run we'll call it of the last three seasons he was like running back five two years ago he was running back two i think down the stretch last year and like we're, we're we we see it happening again like there's no other running backs on this roster darrington evans isn't much and no. at the end of great dude phenomenal guy follow him on twitter He's he's funny, a good guy. Not a great NFL running back. Tristan Ebner, Ebner not yeah. a great NFL running back. Like there's just there's nobody else to take rushing touches, and this is an offense that's built on the run game. And especially yep. if Fields can't run as much rest of season, if they if they limit the design runs just to keep his shoulder healthy, which I think is very much a possibility here, they may start having to run through the air by just throwing dump passes to Monty, and he's just gonna nickel and dime his way to like consistent running back one performances rest of the season to 15 to 20 point games like every every week for here on out uh it's interesting man it's just it's not sexy he is following in the footsteps of the matt fortes before him doing just this thing the bears do where it's not pretty or exciting but it gets the job done and i think you're right man if if we're not going to see herbert for the rest of the year which is a very very real possibility he's a pretty safe and stable play compared to a lot of the guys that we're looking at like I, i've got a hard time sitting monty in favor of foreman or if pierce starts to struggle thinking that i would want to play pierce ahead of monty like there's just a lot of guys who aren't as useful as him down the stretch and we'll see how it goes um oh, which one is my favorite here i i guess for the purposes of actionable advice we should at least acknowledge that P Ryan looked pretty good and well used in the past game. And it's going to be impossible for us to say at this point, what happens with Joe Mixon, but there's very little chance that by the time you submit your waivers on Tuesday, Mixon is cleared from concussion protocol. And if that's the case, it, there's every reason for you to go out and try and roster P yeah. Ryan for the short term. If you have the ability to do so guys who can get, even if it's five to 10 carries on the ground, if Mixon's not there, but will be used in a lot of passing situations and can catch and run those passes in for scores mean a lot this time of year. And that's exactly what we saw out of P Ryan today. Uh, how that gets affected when Jamar chase comes back in a couple of weeks is tough to say, but that's an offense that even when it's not at full strength is always looking to push the ball. And he was the beneficiary of it today. So I'd be looking to grab him everywhere that I could. Um, let yeah, me hit Ty- you with some downlines or go yeah. ahead. You want to talk some P yeah. Ryan? Yeah, real quick. Tyler and I talked about P Ryan as well and crushing the competition this week of him being like, people don't want to acknowledge what he can be, but like he's in that handcuffed tier of like, we said, pick him up like prior to this week. So we hope anybody who listened to that episode did that because this is exactly what can happen when you have a guy who's in a system, they'll use him in passing downs, even when the main guy is healthy and, and an older running back in like a guy like Joe Mixon who could get hurt at any time. Even, you know, today it was, is a concussion, obviously, you know, a more freak injury than, than a lot of already very freak injuries. But like, this is the type of guy who I want on my bench rest of the season, like a guy who could just step in, drop three touchdowns. If, if the main guy goes out. All right, man, four down headlines. Let's pick a couple here. Spoiler alert. Um, uh, let's do the Jets first because that's the one that I want to pick. And then you can do pop yours in second for last word of the show. But we got the Jets offense grounded, which we'll take a look at. Vikings offense completely shut down by the Cowboys. Uh, down game for Nick Chubb, which you alluded to earlier. And A.J. Brown, two straight kind of bad meh 
games with the Eagles not looking as good as they did in the past month. Uh, let's start first with the Jets. And the reason why is because I think there is just so much to talk about with this offense right now. And I'm curious what what you think and where your opinion lies, man. Because I think much like we just talked about with Baker Mayfield, I think I feel the same way about the Jets, even though I think their players like are better. Michael Carter and James Robinson just seem to be like negating any value that either of them would have against each other. Zach Wilson is making it impossible to play Garrett Wilson or Elijah Moore. And in a world where a team in the Jets, who currently at this exact moment in time is in the playoffs as we speak, Chargers win this game, I think that changes. But at the moment, the Jets are a playoff team. It it is starting to strike me that if they are legitimately a playoff team, there is a non-zero chance that they go to Flacco. That they, they realize get- at some point that like, even though that is certainly not the move for the future and certainly not the move for the best benefit of the franchise, the right now near term Robert Sala wants to be a good head coach and solidify playoff position with a shitty record. The Jets run in is not good. Like they've got a lot of winnable games down the stretch. If they switch to Joe Flacco, I think everything changes for me. And I feel good about these players. As long as Zach Wilson stays the quarterback, do I have to sit them all? Yes. Do you Zach see Wilson it? is not a, <laughs> Zach. Wil, Zach Wilson is not a good quarterback. Like it, that's just what it boils down to. The man is not good at the game of football at the NFL level. If we look at even advanced metri- metrics, we admit that Joe Flacco is not a superstar. We know that, right? Like if we look at um, the EPA per play of these two guys, it's not good for either of them. Zach Wilson is edging out Joe Flacco by 0.02. No, sorry, 0.002 on EPA per play. But if we look at the EPA and completion percentage over expected composite score for both of these guys, Joe Flacco ranks ahead of Zach Wilson. That doesn't count today, I don't believe, either. Zach Wilson is not good enough, but he doesn't scare teams. That he was when we saw him come back in and they had some success running the ball with Brees Hall and Michael Carter as the compliment back there. We still had a little bit of what is Zach Wilson. We don't know 100% yet. And so teams respected him a little bit more. I think teams can see, the man can't complete a pass to the flat of a running back who is standing there, just basically like, hi, I'm open. He's overthrowing that ball. Like the man, there's a reason he was my quarterback five in a class of like, admittedly, like a lot of quarterback prospects that were pretty decent, but there's a reason I almost ranked him behind Davis Mills. Like these guys aren't good at football. They just aren't. And Zach Wilson is killing the fantasy value of everybody around him, which I know coaches don't care about that, but Zach Wilson can't win you a football game right now. That's the, I think the thing that bothers me the most is because when it starts to become apparent that you can't do anything from football perspective, we have an issue. Like Matt Ryan is not helping you win fantasy games by being a Alec Pierce or Michael Pittman owner, but Matt Ryan might be helping the Colts win a couple of games and they're probably not going back to Ellinger for that reason. Zach Wilson looks to actively be costing the Jets games at this point. Like they've been done dirty twice by Bill Belichick and the Patriots, just like taking full advantage of some of the shortcomings that they have. And I don't know if a change is imminent. It's tough to say that a team would ever want to go back to Joe Flacco when a second overall pick, if I have that correct, is in the young stages of his career, but we might be getting close to it. Um, 
the dude right, has man. a fifty-five percent completion percentage. Like it's bad, when he dude. throws the ball, there's almost as good of a chance that it's not going to be completed as it is. Like that's, I yeah. I mean, we could go down this rabbit hole forever. Like I'm looking at next week, they go on the road to the Bills, right? Josh Allen is sitting here, two thirty-eight of three sixty-eight on the year, almost three thousand yards. 2,930 yards, 21 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. And this is not like a vintage Josh Allen year. There's been some struggles recently. Zach Wilson is 105 of 189 for 1,279 yards. He is not even to 1,300 yards yet on the season. Four touchdowns and five interceptions. But without the rushing upside that some of these other quarterbacks who can get away with that kind of shit can provide you. And it it's rough, man. It's just, you, I want to root for him. Like I want the jets to be doing well. Like it was so cool yeah, to see Brees same. Hall and Garrett Wilson playing well. And like, now it's just a letdown week in and week out. It sucks. Uh, but speaking of sucking AJ Brown, Nick Chubb, the entirety of the Vikings offense. What do you want to, what do you want to make the swangs on for the week? I, I think we just go with Chubb. Okay. I, I think he's a guy that I'm not worried about. For the most part, like if you have Nick Chubb, he's in your lineup, right? You're not taking him out. Sure. But this is this is why we stress so much about not overdrafting guys who don't have the pass catching upside. Like if you you've been happy with Nick Chubb for most of this year, and this game might be his best receiving game that he's had in a long time. But really, that all came on the grasp of like one big catch. Three for 48. You're probably right. Yeah, it came on one big catch and then two other just dink and dunk plays there. Like, if you're a guy who normally, yes, phenomenal rusher, right? 14, 14 carries for 19 yards against a Bills defense, which is one of the, is the best defense in football. Like, that's it's always going to be a hard battle. But he's, he's proving why, even if you're an elite guy, you have to consider the matchup to an extent. Because this Bills team is so good that you almost had to walk into this week where you had to mentally prepare for Nick Chubb getting 10 points being a legitimate option, which people don't want to consider too often. Like there comes a point when a defense is too dominant that we can't project anything to be better than it. And that's yeah. what this Bills team has, Bills defense has been so far. The Josh Allen this year has been great, but he hasn't been the Josh Allen that he was last year. He's, he's struggled at times. I saw something today that he hasn't like thrown a touchdown in the fourth quarter in like four weeks or something like that. Like he, he, he's not been the same passer that he's been pre recently and he got hurt. We know that that's certainly impacting that, but teams have showed us that they're not really scared of Gabe Davis. If they can shut down Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis is going to be, you know, he, Josh Allen has to rely on his legs and he has to just make something happen. Josh Allen hasn't been what he has been this year. The reason the bills have been so dominant this year is because their defense has just simply been that good. Like it's remark. Like Dallas is the second best defense comparatively, and the the margin that DVOA has them over is the same margin that like you know New England and Dallas are right there at negative at teams that play them. You can already expect about a sixteen percent production decrease if you're Dallas or New York. It's seventeen percent if you're playing Buffalo versus like the worst team in football. Las Vegas, their defense. If the worst, if your offense was playing Las Vegas, you can expect to add about 17.5% of your production. Their defense is so good that they're basically negating what would be the best possible outcome for a team, which is playing mm -hmm. Las Vegas. Like if 
Las Vegas's defense was Buffalo's defense. We're talking about like, I'm going on a rant and I'm losing myself in the middle of the rant, but basically their defense is elite. It's the best in football by a substantial margin comparatively. They're so good that bad teams look at their defense and go, I wish their defense was our offense. That's really what I'm trying to say here. If the Las Vegas offense was the Buffalo defense, they'd still be, they'd like almost be a good team. That's where we're at. That's how good this Buffalo team is. And if you have a guy like a Nick Chubb, you have to consider that a team, a Nick Chubb going against the Buffalo bills is not Nick Chubb going against every other team in football. Yeah. It's something much lesser than that. And let's put you to the test real quick, man. And then we'll, we'll get out of here for the night, but you got a Thanksgiving matchup where some people who are really happy with three touchdowns out of Jamal Williams are going to see the Bills coming to town next week. Are, do you make the move to sit him next week? I'll even throw you a bonus before you answer because the week after that, they go on the road to the Patriots. So you're talking about Jamal Williams and Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris, and Swift to an extent, but that's four backs that I think people would like to use in most circumstances that, from what you're telling me, might be unplayable one of the next two weeks because it's Buffalo. Yeah, that uh, that's sadly like, that's how good this Buffalo team is. Is like, that's almost where a guy like Jamal Williams, who's relying so heavily on touchdowns, like he may get away with it just because his production he falls in once. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you may still get him to fall in, but that's where you start to talk about like all those wide receivers that you named earlier. If it's those wide receivers mm-hmm. or this run or said, you know, Jamal Williams playing Buffalo, or New England or Dallas, like I'm very heavily looking the other way at the wide receivers. And I, I, you know, that's where those guys start to have to, you know, you just have to acknowledge the concern that's there with them. Interesting, man. Cause we pay so much attention to the offensive personnel. Sometimes I think it falls by the wayside for a lot of us, how good some of the defenses are and how bad some of the defenses are and like what that does to our decision-making sometimes. But You can catch up on all of those wonderful things during the week when you listen to shows like Crushing the Competition and Square Scare and Prayer and everything else that the JWB family has to offer. Just special note for everyone during this holiday season. Don't necessarily be surprised if you do not see a Crushing the Competition or Square Scare and Prayer. It's still up in the air what the holiday schedule will look like. You may see things on different days that you don't normally do. The easiest way to stay apprised of all of those potential schedule changes is to like and subscribe to JWB here on YouTube. You can follow us all on Twitter as well. It's JWB underscore FF. I'm Jaywill underscore FF. Again, he's Perry, P-A-R-R-Y underscore FF. Uh, we're thankful for all of you. We wouldn't be here without everybody listening and supporting everything that we do on behalf of myself, Jake, Wyatt, Tyler, Skyler, Nate, Tim, Matt, the entirety of the whole JWB crew. We love y'all and we can't wait to see you again soon.